0: part four of rosalind by thomas lodge this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by thomas copeland part four with this ganymede start up made her ready and went into the fields with aliena where unfolding their flocks they sat them down under an olive tree both of them amorous and yet diversly affected aliena joying in the excellence of saladyne and ganymede sorrowing for the wounds of her rosader not quiet in thought till she might hear of his health. As thus both of them sat in their dumps, they might espy where Coridon came running towards them, almost out of breath with his haste. What news with you, quoth Aliena, that you come in such post? O oh, mistress, quoth Coridon, you have a long time desired to see phoebe the fair shepherdess whom montanus loves so now if you please you and ganymede but to walk with me to yonder thicket there shall you see montanus and her sitting by a fountain he courting with his country ditties and she as coy as if she held love in disdain the news were so welcome to the two lovers that up they rose and went with corydon as soon as they drew nigh the thicket they might espy where phoebe sat the fairest shepherdess in all arden and he the frolicest swain in the whole forest she in a petticoat of scarlet covered with a green mantle and to shroud her from the sun a chaplet of roses from under which appeared a face full of nature's excellence and two such eyes as might have amated a greater man than montanus note amated dismayed at gaze upon this gorgeous nymph sat the shepherd feeding his eyes with her favors wooing with such piteous looks and courting with such deep, strained sighs as would have made Diana herself to have been compassionate. At last, fixing his looks on the riches of her face, his head on his hand, and his elbow on his knee, he sung this mournful ditty. Montanus Sonnet A turtle sat upon a leafless tree, mourning her absent fear with sad and sorry cheer. Note, fear, companion about her wondering stood the citizens of wood and whilst her plumes she rents and for her love laments the stately trees complain them the birds with sorrow pain them each one that doth her view her pain and sorrows rue but were the sorrows known that me hath overthrown oh how would phoebe sigh if she did look on me the sick polypheme that could not see who on the barren shore his fortunes doth deplore and melteth all in moan for galatea gone and with his piteous cries afflicts both earth and skies and to his woe betook doth break both pipe and hook for whom complains the morn for whom the sea-nymphs mourn alas his pain is not for were my woe but thought oh how would phoebe sigh if she did look on me beyond compare my pain Yet glad am I if gentle Phoebe deign to see her Montan die. After this, Montanus felt his passion so extreme that he fell into this exclamation against the injustice of love. Hélas, tyran, plein de rigueur, modère un peu ta violence. Que te sert si grand dépense? C'est trop de flamme pour un coeur. Epargnez en une étincelle. Oui, fait fait a fort émouvoir, la fière qui ne veut point voir, en quel feu je brûle pour elle? Exécute d'amour ce dessein, et rabaisse un peu son audace. Son cœur ne doit être de glace, bien qu'elle ait de neige le sein. Montanus ended his sonnet with such a volley of sighs, and such a stream of tears, as might have moved any but Phoebe to have granted him favour but she measuring all his passions with a coy disdain and triumphing in the poor shepherd's pathetical humors smiling at his martyrdom as though love had been no malady scornfully warbled out this sonnet Phoebe's sonnet a reply to montana's passion down a down thus phyllis sung by fancy once distressed whoso by foolish love are stung are worthily oppressed, and so sing i with down a down a down down a down when love was first begot, and by the mover's will did fall to human lot, his solace to fulfill, devoid of all deceit, a chaste and holy fire did quicken man's conceit, and women's breast inspire. That gods that saw the good that mortals did approve, with kind and holy mood began to talk of love. Down, adown, thus a sung, by fancy once distressed, whoso by foolish love are stung are worthily oppressed, and so sing I. With down a down a down down a down but during this accord a wonder strange to hear, whilst love indeed and word most faithful did appear, false semblance came in place by jealousy attended, and with a double face both love and fancy blended, which made the gods forsake and men from fancy fly, and maidens scorn a make note mate, forsooth, and so will I. Down, a-down, thus Phyllis sung by fancy once distressed, whoso by foolish love or stung are worthily oppressed, and so sing I with down, a-down, a-down, down, a-down. Down, a down. Montanus, hearing the cruel resolution of Phoebe, was so overgrown with passions, that from amorous ditties he fell flat into these terms. Ah, Phoebe, quoth he, whereof art thou made that thou regardest not my malady? Am I so hateful an object that thine eyes condemn me for an abject? or so base that thy desires cannot stoop so low as to lend me a gracious look my passions are many my love's more my thoughts loyalty and my fancy faith all devoted in humble devoir Note. duty to the service of phoebe and shall i reap no reward for such fealties the swain's daily labours is quit with the evening's hire the ploughman's toil is eased with the hope of corn but the ox sweats out at the plough he fatteneth at the crib. But unfortunate Montanus hath no salve for his sorrows, nor any hope of recompense with a hazard of his perplexed passions. If, Phoebe, time may plead the proof of my truth, twice seven winters have I loved, fair Phoebe. If constancy be a cause to father my suit, Montanus' thoughts have been sealed in the sweet of Phoebe's excellence, as far from change as she from love if outward passions may discover inward affections, the furrows in my face may decipher the sorrows of my heart, and the map of my looks the griefs of my mind. Thou seest, Phoebe, the tears of despair have made my cheeks full of wrinkles, and my scalding sighs have made the air echo her pity conceived in my plaints. Philomel, hearing my passions, hath left her mournful tunes to listen to the discourse of my miseries, I have portrayed in every tree the beauty of my mistress and the despair of my loves. What is it in the woods cannot witness my woes? And who is it would not pity my plaints? Only Phoebe. And why? Because I am Montanus and she Phoebe. I a worthless swain and she the most excellent of all fairies. Beautiful Phoebe. Oh, might I say pitiful? Then happy were I, though I tasted but one minute of that good hap. Measure Montanus, not by his fortunes, but by his loves, and balance not his wealth, but his desires, and lend but one gracious look to cure a heap of disquieted cares. If not, ah, if Phoebe cannot love, let a storm of frowns end the discontent of my thoughts, and so let me perish in my desires, because they are above my deserts. Only at my death this favor cannot be denied me, that all shall say Montanus died for love of hard-hearted Phoebe. At these words she filled her face full of frowns, and made him this short and sharp reply, Importunate shepherd, whose loves are lawless because restless, are thy passions so extreme that thou canst not conceal them with patience? Or art thou so folly sick that thou must needs be fancy sick and in thy affection tied to such an exigent necessity as none serves but phoebe well sir if your market may be made nowhere else home again for your mart is at the fairest phoebe is no lettuce for your lips and her grapes hang so high that gaze at them you may but touch them you cannot yet montanus i speak not this in pride but in disdain not that i scorn thee but that i hate love for i count it a great honor to triumph over fancy as over fortune rest thee content therefore montanus cease from thy loves and bridle thy looks quench the sparkles before they grow to a further flame for in loving me thou shalt live by loss and what thou utterest in words are all written in the wind wert thou montanus as fair as paris as hardy as Hector, as constant as Troilus, as loving as Leander. Phoebe could not love, because she cannot love at all. And therefore, if thou pursue me with Phoebus, I must fly with Daphne. Ganymede, overhearing all these passions of Montanus, could not brook the cruelty of Phoebe. But, starting from behind the bush, said, And if, damsel, you fled from me, I would transform you as Daphne to a bay and then, in contempt, trample your branches under my feet. Phoebe, at this sudden reply, was amazed, especially when she saw so fair a swain as Ganymede. Blushing, therefore, she would have been gone, but that he held her by the hand and prosecuted his reply thus. What, Shepherdess, so fair and so cruel? Disdain beseems not cottages nor coyness maids, for either they be condemned to be too proud or too froward. Take heed, fair nymph, that in despising love you be not overreached with love, and in shaking off all, shape yourself to your own shadow, and so with Narcissus prove passionate and yet unpitied. Oft have I heard, and sometimes have I seen, high disdain turn to hot desires. Because thou art beautiful, be not so coy. As there is nothing more fair, so there is nothing more fading as momentary as the shadows which grows from a cloudy sun. Such, my fair shepherdess, as disdain in youth, desire in age, and then are they hated in the winter that might have been loved in the prime. A wrinkled maid is like to a parched rose that is cast up in coffers to please the smell, not worn in the hand to content the eye. There is no folly in love to had I wist, and therefore be ruled by me. Love while thou art young, lest thou be disdained when thou art old. Beauty nor time cannot be recalled, and if thou love, like of Montanus, for if his desires are many, so his deserts are great. Phoebe all this while gazed on the perfection of Ganymede, as deeply enamored on his perfection as Montanus inveigled with hers, for her eye made survey of his excellent feature, which she found so rare that she thought the ghost of Adonis had been leaped from Elysium. In the shape of a swain. When she blushed at her own folly to look so long on a stranger, she mildly made answer to Ganymede thus, I cannot deny, sir, but I have heard of love, though I never felt love, and have read of such a goddess as Venus, though I never saw any but her picture, and perhaps, and with that she waxed red and bashful and withal silent, which, Ganymede perceiving, commended in herself the bashfulness of the maid, and desired her to go forward. And perhaps, sir, quoth she, mine eye hath been more prodigal to-day than ever before. And with that she stayed again as one greatly passionate and perplexed. Eliana, seeing the hare through the maze, bade her forward with her prattle, but in vain for at this abrupt period she broke off, and with her eyes full of tears and her face covered with a vermilion dye, she sat down and sighed. Whereupon Aliena and Ganymede, seeing the shepherdess in such a strange plight, left Phoebe with her Montanus, wishing her friendly that she would be more pliant to love, lest in penance Venus joined her to some sharp repentance." Phoebe made no reply, but fetched such a sigh that Echo made relation of her plaint, giving Ganymede such an adieu with a piercing glance that the amorous girl-boy perceived Phoebe was pinched by the heel. But, leaving Phoebe to the follies of her new fancy and Montanus to attend upon her, to Saladyne, who all this last night could not rest for the remembrance of Aliena insomuch that he framed a sweet conceited sonnet to content his humor, which he put in his bosom, being requested by his brother Rossiter to go to Aliena and Ganymede to signify unto them that his wounds were not dangerous. A more happy message could not happen to Saladin. that, taking his forest bill on his neck, he trudgeth in all haste towards the plains where Aliena's flocks did feed, coming just to the place when they returned with Montanus and Phoebe. Fortune so conducted this jolly forester that he encountered them and Corydon, whom he presently saluted in this manner. Fair shepherdess, and too fair, unless your beauty be tempered with courtesy, and the lineaments of the face graced with the lowliness of mind, as many good fortunes to you and your page as yourselves can desire or I imagine. My brother Rosader, in the grief of his green wounds, still mindful of his friends, hath sent me to you with a kind salute to show you he brooks his pains with the more patience in that he holds the parties precious in whose defence he received the prejudice the report of your welfare will be a great comfort to his distempered body and distressed thoughts and therefore he sent me with a strict charge to visit you and you quoth aliena are the more welcome in that you are messenger from so kind a gentleman whose pains we compassionate with as great sorrow as he brooks them with grief, and his wounds reads in us as many passions as in him extremities, so that what disquiet he feels in body, we partake in heart, wishing if we might, that our mishap might salve his malady. But seeing our wills yields him little ease, our orisons note, prayers, are never idle to the gods for his recovery. I pray, youth, quoth Ganymede, with tears in his eyes, when the surgeon searched him, held he his wounds dangerous? Dangerous, quoth Saladine, but not mortal, and the sooner to be cured, in that his patient is not impatient of any pains, whereupon my brother hopes within these ten days to walk abroad and visit you himself. In the meantime, quoth Ganymede, say his Rosalind commends her to him, and bids him be of good cheer. I know not, quoth Saladin, who that Rosalind is, but whatsoever she is, her name is never out of his mouth, but amidst the deepest of his passions he useth Rosalind as a charm to appease all sorrows with patience, insomuch that I conjecture my brother is in love, and she some paragon that holds his heart perplexed, whose name he oft records with sighs, sometimes with tears, straight with joy, then with smiles, as if... In one person love had lodged a chaos of confused passions, wherein I have noted the variable disposition of fancy, that, like the polyp in colors, so it changeth into sundry humors, being, as it should seem, a combat mixed with disquiet, and a bitter pleasure wrapped in a sweet prejudice, like to the synopal tree, whose blossoms delight the smell, and whose fruit infects the taste." by my faith quoth aliena sir you are deep-read in love or grows your insight into affection by experience howsoever you are a great philosopher in venus principles else could you not discover her secret aphorisms but sir our country amours are not like your courtly fancies nor is our wooing like your suing for poor shepherds never plain them till love pain them where the courtier's eyes is full of passions when his heart is most free from affection. They court to discover their eloquence. We woo to ease our sorrows. Every fair face with them must have a new fancy sealed with a forefinger kiss and a far-fetched sigh. We here Love one and live to that one so long as life can maintain love. Using few ceremonies, because we know few subtleties and little eloquence for that we lightly account of flattery only faith and troth that's shepherds wooing and sir how like you of this so quoth saladyne as i could tie myself to such love what and look so low as a shepherdess being the son of sir john of bordeaux such desires were a disgrace to your honors and with that surveying exquisitely every part of him as uttering all these words in a deep passion she espied the paper in his bosom whereupon growing jealous that it was some amorous sonnet she suddenly snatched it out of his bosom and asked if it were any secret she was bashful and saladyne blushed which she perceiving said nay then sir if you wax red my life for yours tis some love matter i will see your mistress name her praises and your passions and with that she looked on it which was written to this effect, Saladin's sonnet. If it be true that heaven's eternal course with restless sway and ceaseless turning glides, if air in constant be and swelling source turns and returns with many fluent tides, if earth in winter summer's pride estrange and nature seemeth only fair in change, if it be true that our immortal sprite derived from heavenly pure in wandering still, in novelty and strangeness doth delight, and by discoverant power discerneth ill, and if the body, for to work his best, doth with the seasons change his place of rest, whence comes it that enforced by furious skies I change both place and soil, but not my heart, yet salve not in this change my maladies. Whence grows it that each object works my smart, Alas, I see my faith procures my miss, and change in love against my nature is. Et Florida, Pumgunt. Eliana, having read over the sonnet, began thus pleasantly to descant upon it. I see, Saladyne, quoth she, that, as the sun is no sun without his brightness, nor the diamond accounted for precious unless it be hard, so men are not men unless they be in love, and their honors are measured by their amours not their labors counting it more commendable for a gentleman to be full of fancy than full of virtue i had thought Otias Citolas periera cupidinus arcus contemptaeque jacent et sine luc but i see ovid's axiom is not authentical for even labor hath her loves and extremity is no pumice stone to raise out fancy YOURSELF EXILED FROM YOUR WEALTH, FRIENDS, AND COUNTRY BY Torismond, sorrows ENOUGH TO SUPPRESS AFFECTIONS, YET, AMIDST THE DEPTH OF THESE EXTREMITIES, LOVE WILL BE LORD AND SHOW HIS POWER TO BE MORE PREDOMINANT THAN FORTUNE. BUT I PRAY YOU, SIR, IF WITHOUT OFFENSE I MAY CRAVE IT, ARE THEY SOME NEW THOUGHTS OR SOME OLD DESIRES? SALADINE, THAT NOW SAW OPPORTUNITY PLEASANT, THOUGHT TO STRIKE WHILE THE IRON WAS HOT, and therefore, taking Aliena by the hand, sat down by her. And Ganymede, to give them leave to their loves, found herself busy about the folds, whilst Saladyne fell into this prattle with Aliena, Fair mistress, if I be blunt in discovering my affections, and use little eloquence in leveling out my loves, I appeal for pardon to your own principles, that say shepherds use few ceremonies, for that they acquaint themselves with few subtleties to frame myself therefore to your country fashion with much faith and little flattery know beautiful shepherdess that whilst i lived in the court i knew not love's cumber, but i held affection as a toy not as a malady using fancy as the hyperboredo do their flowers which they wear in their bosom all day and cast them in the fire for fuel at night i liked all because i loved none and who was most fair on her i fed mine eye but as charily as the bee that, as soon as she hath sucked honey from the rose, flies straight to the next marigold. Living thus, at mine own list, I wondered at such as were in love, and when I read their passions, I took them only for poems that flowed from the quickness of the wit, not the sorrows of the heart. But now, fair nymph, since I became a forester, love hath taught me such a lesson that I must confess his deity and dignity, and say as there is nothing so precious as beauty so there is nothing more piercing than fancy for since first i arrived at this place and mine eye took a curious survey of your excellence i have been so fettered with your beauty and virtue as sweet aliena saladyne without further circumstance loves aliena i could paint out my desires with long ambages, Note. Indirect speech, but seeing in many words lies mistrust and the truth is ever naked, let this suffice for a country wooing. Saladyne loves Aliena, and none but Aliena. Although these words were most heavenly harmony in the ears of the shepherdess, yet to seem coy at the first courting, and to disdain love howsoever she desired love, she made this reply. Ah, oh, Saladyne, though I seem simple, yet I am more subtle than to swallow the hook because it hath a painted bait. As men are wily, so women are wary especially if they have that wit by others' harms to beware. Do we not know, Saladyne, that men's tongues are like mercury's pipe, that can enchant Argus with an hundred eyes, and their words as prejudicial as the charms of Circe that transform men into monsters? If such sirens sing, we poor women had need stop our ears, lest in hearing we prove so foolish hardy as to believe them, and so perish in trusting much and suspecting little." Saladine piscator ictus sopit, he that hath been once poisoned and afterwards fears not to booze of every potion. Note. booze, drink, is worthy to suffer double penance. Give me leave then to mistrust, though I do not condemn. Saladine is now in love with Aliena. He, a gentleman of great parentage; she, a shepherdess of mean parents. He honourable and she poor. Can love consist? Of contrarieties, will the falcon perch with the kestrel? The lion harbour with the wolf? Will Venus join robes and rags together? Or can there be a sympathy between a king and a beggar? Then Saladin, how can I believe thee that love should unite our thoughts when fortune hath set such a difference between our degrees? But suppose thou likest Aliena's beauty, men in their fancy resemble the wasp which scorns that flower from which she hath fetched her wax, playing like the inhabitants of the island Tenerifa, who, when they have gathered the sweet spices, use the trees for fuel. So men, when they have glutted themselves with the fare of women's faces, hold them for necessary evils, and, wearied with that which they seemed so much to love, cast away fancy as children do their rattles, and loathing that which so deeply before they liked especially such as take love in a minute and have their eyes attractive like jet apt to entertain any object are as ready to let it slip again saladyne hearing how aliena harped still upon one string which was the doubt of men's constancy he broke off her sharp invective thus i grant aliena quoth he many men have done amiss in proving soon ripe and soon rotten but. Particular instances infer no general conclusions, and therefore I hope what others have faulted in shall not prejudice my favors. I will not use sophistry to confirm my love, for that is subtlety. No long discourses, lest my words might be thought more than my faith. But if this will suffice, that by the honor of a gentleman I love Eliana, and woo Eliana not to crop the blossoms and reject the tree, but to consummate my faithful desires in the honorable end, of marriage." At this word marriage Aliena stood in a maze what to answer, fearing that if she were too coy to drive him away with her disdain, and if she were too courteous to discover the heat of her desires. In a dilemma thus what to do, at last this she said, Saladyne, ever since I saw thee I favored thee. I cannot dissemble my desires because I see thou dost faithfully manifest thy thoughts And in liking thee, I love thee, so far as mine honor holds fancy still in suspense. But if I knew thee as virtuous as thy father, or as well qualified as thy brother Rosader, the doubt should be quickly decided. But for this time, to give thee an answer, assure thyself this, I will either marry with Saladine, or live still a virgin. And with this they strained one another's hand, which Ganymede, spying, thinking he had had his mistress long enough at shrift, said, What, a match or no? A match, quoth Aliena, or else it were an ill market. I am glad, quoth Ganymede. I would Rosader were well here to make up a mess. Well remembered, quoth Saladin. I forgot I left my brother Rosader alone, and therefore, lest, being solitary, he should increase his sorrows, I will haste me to him. May it please you then to command me any service to him. I am ready to be a dutiful messenger." only at this time commend me to him quoth aliena and tell him though we cannot pleasure him we pray for him and forget not quoth ganymede my commendations but say to him that rosalind sheds as many tears from her heart as he drops of blood from his wounds for the sorrow of his misfortunes feathering all her thoughts with disquiet till his welfare procure her content say thus good Saladin, and so farewell he having his message gave a courteous adieu to them both, especially to Eliana, and so playing loath to depart, went to his brother. But Eliana, she perplexed and yet joyful, passed away the day pleasantly, still praising the perfection of Saladine, not ceasing to chat of her new love till evening drew on. And then they, folding their sheep, went home to bed, where we leave them and return to Phoebe. End of Part Four